Matthew chapter number 3. We'll start reading verse number 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Well, today marks a blessed day in the life of the Buffalo Valley Baptist Church. It's a wonderful day. Um, for Maggie, our dear sister in Christ, and for this church. We will witness and see and participate in something that's been an unbroken practice in Christianity since the first century, since we read of this baptism here. This long and ancient practice has continued on the same way for the same purpose since since its inception. This is both a picture, or it is a picture, and it's a simple picture, and it's as simple as it is full of meaning. We find baptism first in scriptures here in the gospel, where we read there was a man whose name was John who was sent by God as the forerunner or the one that come before the long-promised and awaited Messiah. He was an Elijah-like prophet who was preparing the way for the Lord. So God sent him as a forerunner to testify, and he said, I'm not Elijah, and I'm not the Christ, but I'm one that the Scriptures told, foretold of. John the Baptist was the one that Isaiah foretold of, and Isaiah 40 and Malachi Malachi 3.1 John came out in the wilderness preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. John called sinners to repentance and faith and then he baptized them. There he was in Israel telling the, Israel, the, the Jewish people, those covenant people, that they needed repentance. They needed to be cleansed. And just being a child of Abraham was not enough. They needed to be saved. And he preached to them the law, repentance and faith. And when they, when they came to faith, he baptized them. When our text, Jesus came to John to be baptized. And John says, well, I need to be baptized of you, not the other way around. I'm a sinner. I need to be cleansed. I need to be washed. And yet you're coming to me. To be baptized? Well, Jesus told him to, to allow it to come to pass, because it needs to be to, be to fulfill all righteousness. So John took Jesus down in the, the Jordan River and took him down under the water and brought him back up out of the water to fulfill all righteousness. Well, if John was baptizing people because they had repented of their sin... Why was Jesus baptized? Why did Jesus go under the water? 
If John was telling people to go under the water, you have to repent of your sin. And people will come to him and say, hey, John, I want to be baptized too. And he says, well, no, you have no repentance. You have no faith. He called him a bunch of snakes at one point and said, you need to repent. You can't be baptized because you're sinners who, who think that you have self-righteousness in and of yourself. So if that was the case, why did Jesus come to John and why did John baptize him? Now hear what it says in Isaiah 42. Behold my servant. Now this is the Lord, this is the Father talking about the Son. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up his, or lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he has set judgment on the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. The Old Testament says, I want you to behold my servant when he comes, the one in whom my soul delighteth. While Isaiah goes on to tell us in Isaiah 53 that this servant was going to have to suffer And he was going to suffer for sin. So he is the suffering servant of the Lord to whom the Father is well pleased. Jesus was not baptized because he was a sinner. Jesus was not baptized because he had repented and turned uh, from, from his sins. Because he needed to be cleansed, Jesus was baptized as the suffering servant, to prefigure his own death. Jesus was showing in advance what he was going to do, that he was going to die for sinners, that he would take their place, atone for their sin, and rise from the dead. Jesus was going to do what no one could have done before. He was going to do what the first Adam could not do. As the last Adam, he was going to live a life without sin. But he was also going to be the Lamb of God, the sin bearer. So the man who had no sin was going to bear the sins of his people. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus was baptized to prefigure that he would be the sin bearer. To picture beforehand what was about to happen. That he was going to die, he was going to die, he was going to be buried, and he was going to rise from the dead. Thus, the beloved Son, the servant of Jehovah, in whom uh, the Father delighted in, fulfilled all righteousness in this by prefiguring what he was going to do on the cross, and then in the tomb, and then ascending to the right hand of the Father. So, and since this time that we read of in Matthew chapter number 3, the followers of Christ has followed him in baptism. Not because the water saves, but because Jesus does. Not because going down under the water and coming back up washes away the sin. Because Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. It's not as the song goes, you go down and and there's so much sin that uh, it's going to spoil the, the creek or the river. It is that Jesus has washed away our sins with his precious blood. 
How are we saved? By the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he atoned for our sins. He redeemed us. The water doesn't save because Jesus already has. And so Jesus was baptized. So were the apostles. And then at the end of the book, Jesus tells his church to continue this practice. So in Matthew 28, 18, through verse 20, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So Jesus, before he ascends to the Father, tells his church, I want you to go and preach this good news that I have died for sinners. I have rose for their justification. Teach them that there is one way unto the Father, and that's through me. Teach them that there is grace and mercy with God through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. Teach them that and baptize them. Baptize them as you were baptized. Baptize as John came baptizing. You baptize those who profess salvation in me. Not that they might be saved, but that they picture that they have been saved through the work of Christ. And that's why we're doing this today. And that's why you read in the book of Acts, Christians were baptized. And you start reading through the history of Christianity after the New Testament was written and finished. And you find believers baptized. Because Jesus said... Go and baptize. This is the commission that he has given to us, and that's why we practice it today. Isn't that wonderful? Think about that for a second. We are going to witness, and Maggie, you're going to experience the same, the same right, we might say, the, the same ordinance that Peter experienced, that James and John and Paul and Timothy and, and Phoebe and, and Chloe and, and the other, all the other people we read about in the New Testament. That these saints that we know in Scripture who followed the Lord's baptism, it's the, same, it's the same ordinance for the same reason. How many of us have family traditions for Thanksgiving or the 4th of July or something? Something you do every year as a family and you get excited about because... You know, it's that time of year we're going to do what we always have done before. Well, many of those traditions can't be that old. You know, Thanksgiving hasn't been around for that long. So the, our traditions can't be that old. This is something that's gone for almost 2,000 years. This, this practice of telling the world what Christ has done and picturing it in this ordinance preaching it now and we'll picture it and we'll see it in, in the picture here shortly. As long as there has been churches and as long as there has been the preaching of the gospel in those churches, there has been baptism. Well, why do we do it then? Is it necessary? You might say, well, you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. Well, I think that's the wrong way to think about it. If you're saying, well, I don't have to be baptized in order to go to heaven, you're thinking about it all wrong. 
Is that why you do anything so you won't get in trouble? Is that why you give your wife an anniversary present so you won't get in trouble? Or you do it because you love her? Right? Why? Do you go through life and say, well, I'm going to heaven and that's all that matters. I don't really care what the Lord has told me to do. Well, you've got a wrong way of looking at things. Why do we do it? Because the Lord has told us to. And we want to obey the Lord. Not because it'll save us, because we're grateful that the Lord has saved us. If the Lord has saved us, then we want to, be, we want to express our gratitude by doing what he says. Not because we have to, but we get to. We, we can follow the Lord. And with grateful hearts, we um, walk into the waters of baptism. The Holy Bible, our soul, authority of faith and practice, exhorts believers to be baptized. Not every Christian has to preach a sermon. Not every Christian has to pray publicly. Not every Christian has to teach a class or, or read the scriptures publicly. Not every Christian has to do what every other Christian has to do. Uh, the church is the body of Christ, and we all have been given different gifts and different abilities that we can bless one another. We're not all the same, and we don't have to uh, do the same things. But one thing that every Christian is called to do, man, woman, boy, or girl, everyone that has been called or has been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ has been called to do one thing, and that is to be baptized. Jesus died for sinners. And, and we picture what he did for us. He shed his precious blood to wash away our guilt and shame. And the Lord who saved and purchased his people with his own precious blood calls us to publicly show that through our baptism and testify what the Lord has done for us. So out of a grateful heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, we submit to baptism. No one had to force Maggie to be baptized. She, she expressed that desire herself. And then in the providence of God, we, there was sickness and, and she got sick and she couldn't come. And I know it was disappointing, but you know what? She desired that. She, she couldn't wait to come and to submit to baptism. Out of a grateful heart, that's what she desired. Not to be saved, but to picture uh, what the Lord has done for her. So that's one reason why we do it, because the Lord told us to. Another reason we do it is because there is a meaning behind it. Baptism demonstrates something that has occurred on our behalf. First of all, it demonstrates death. Immersion, or baptism, means immersion. That's what the, the word transliterated baptism means. And we Baptists, as opposed to, um, to others, stress the need for going under the water. But coming back up is equally important. He's talking before the service. Maggie doesn't have to uh, worry that 
going under the water because I'm not going to leave, I'm not going to leave her down there. She's going to come back up. Because that is what baptism pictures. The going down pictures death, but the coming back up pictures resurrection and life. Let's read Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Now that's the first part. That, that's why we immerse. That's the first part. That's what it pictures. Death. That like Christ is, was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of a resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died into sin once. When he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are buried with him in baptism into death. Christ was buried, but he didn't remain in the tomb. And we don't remain dead, but Christ rose from the dead to the glory of the Father. And whenever we go under the water, we picture that we have what Christ did for us, that he died for us. And the picture is that we, with Christ, in union with Christ, die with him. But te the baptism testifies that Christ rose from the dead, and now we are alive in Christ because we are united to him. So as Christ died and rose from the dead, we die with him to the, the condemnation of the law because we are dead and we are free from the condemnation of the law and now we are alive in Christ and with Christ. He is our life, united to him, and we walk in newness of life. It testifies that we are freed from sin because Christ died in our place and rose from the dead. Our sins are paid for, we're freed from sin, and now we live with him. We live with him, we are united to him. Matthew begins in Matthew 21 by telling us that God is with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And then we read in Matthew 28 where it says that um, he is with us always, even unto the end of the age. I quoted that from Jonathan Pennington um, in, in his book about reading the Gospels wisely. Matthew is bookended uh, by the reassurance that Christ has come and, he, and God is with us. And he leaves this earth saying Christ had come, but God is with us. And that's what that pictures, that we have life with him. We, we are united to Christ. Baptism pictures death 
And it pictures resurrection life. Baptism pictures our death to sin and our walking in newness of life. So let's read together 1 Peter chapter number 3. Verse number 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, or brought to life by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein a few of his eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not by putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject to him. How do we walk in newness of life? How do we have this hope? Well, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism pictures the resurrection as much as it pictures the burial. We're buried in baptism as he was buried in the tomb. But we walk in newness of life because he rose from the dead. We come up out of the water as he came up out of the tomb. Now this doesn't save us, but it, it illustrates why we are saved and how we are saved. And it tells the world, and it testifies that I have died to sin. I'm not the same person that I was because Christ saved me. I've died to sin. I've died to, to error. I've died to, to walking the way of the world. And now I'm going to walk in newness of life. The life given to me by God, the Holy Spirit. The life I have in Christ, united to him um, by in that vital union. The, the building of the ark didn't save Noah, but it was his saving faith in God. The ark was a picture of Jesus Christ. And by faith, Noah and his family entered into the ark, and they were safe there. By faith, he was in the ark, safe from judgment. By faith, he was in Christ, safe from judgment. Water baptism doesn't wash away the sin, but we are baptized because we have faith in the risen Christ. And just as, just as the water didn't save Noah, but it was his faith in building the ark and entering into the ark and his faith in God um, by which he was saved from the wrath of God, uh, it was his faith that saved him, but that ark pictures the salvation that he has, that he entered in to, uh, to the ark. It pictures the salvation of God. Baptism doesn't save us. It's a like figure. The baptism doesn't wash away our sins, but it is a like figure of that salvation. Because we have faith in the risen Christ. He died for our sins, the just for the unjust, and rose from the dead for our justification. It's not saying that baptism saves us, but it says something. It is telling us something. 
Because in Mark 10, 38, we won't turn there, but but the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest and if they could sit at the right hand of Jesus and so forth as they do. And Jesus says, you're not, you don't know what you ask. Can you, be, can you drink the cup that I drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism I'm about to be baptized with? And they said, well, yeah, we can. We can do that. But Jesus wasn't talking about going under the water in Mark 10. When he talked about drinking that cup, he wasn't talking about the Lord's Supper or anything such as that. He was talking about the cup of the wrath of God. He was talking about his death. He said, can you be baptized? Can you be immersed with the immersion I'm going to go through? And they said, well, yeah, you can. He said, well, you are going to suffer and you are going to die, but, but, not, but not what you think. You will be baptized you will have to die, he tells them. So Jesus, in the Gospels, connects his baptism with his death and burial and resurrection. He speaks of his death as a baptism. He said, can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Can you, can you suffer and die like I'm going to? And the answer was no, that they couldn't. But he, he connects that, that baptism is seen as a death. Death was an immersion into the judgment of God. The wages of sin is what? It's death. And Jesus tasted death for us. He bore our sins and died bearing our guilt and our shame. He paid the debt to divine justice. And as Jim Hamilton said, when believers are baptized by faith into Jesus, they are united to him in the experience of the floodwaters of God's wrath. That's why Peter's corresponds the flood to baptism. Just as Noah was saved through the judgment of the flood, those who are baptized into Christ by faith are saved through the judgment that fell on Jesus. The point Peter is making here is that we have salvation and victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who can harm us? Peter asks earlier in the book. Who can harm us? Up to this point, he's talking about evil rulers in the world, evil, evil governments, evil uh, masters. He talked about wives being in submission to their unsaved husbands or those who don't obey the word. You know, talking about all kinds of situations where you, you're going to have to suffer, where uh, you may be persecuted. That we were called in 1 Peter 2.21 to suffer, that Christ suffered for us as an example. And then he gets to the end of chapter number three. And what's he, what he's doing here is, is pointing us to the victory that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan tried to destroy man in the garden with the first Adam, but God had a plan. The seed of the woman would come and destroy the serpent and provide salvation. Satan tried to destroy the promised seed, starting, I believe, in the days of the flood and throughout the book of Genesis, where uh, Abraham and and Isaac and Jacob and then Joseph, they were all um, being attacked and and trying to be um, destroyed. In the book of Exodus, you have Pharaoh trying to wipe out God's people. And all through the Old Testament, you have this war between uh, the ungodly 
and God's people. Why? Because God had promised a redeemer through these people. Satan tried to stop the, the seed of the woman from being bored, but God had a plan. Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead victoriously and is finished. See, the victory is already won. It's not yet to be won. We don't, we're not baptized as a symbol as we want to do the best that we can and hope that we have the victory. You're not baptized so that you might have a hope and have a chance. Baptism symbolizes the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the victory that has already won by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what this section of 1 Peter is talking about. The ark foreshadowed it, Christ fulfilled it, and our baptism declares it. That Christ rose from the dead, that we have salvation in him. And that's what this is all about. That's what the baptism preaches and declares. That's what uh, we are doing this day, is praising God for the salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are lifting up his name for what he has done. Maggie is going into the waters to, to, to proclaim and testify what Christ has done for her and to proclaim that she has died to sin and, and risen to newness of life and that she is going to follow her Lord Jesus who died for her, who sits at the right hand of the Father, risen alive as her Lord and Savior and mediator. I put this in, in the paper, and I know some of you mentioned that you read it. But, um, I, when I baptized um, the, the, the fellow down in Georgia, I put him under the water, and the leg came up, and then the arm came up, and I was trying to put him under the water, but he was, he was more concerned about coming out of the water than going down under the water. And I can understand that because... Baptism pictures death. And nobody wants to die. Not even in the picture sometimes. Nobody wants to die. But think about the Lord died on our behalf. The Lord Jesus suffered for us and willingly went to the cross and, and bore our sins and suffered the shame and voluntarily laid down his life as the, suf the suffering servant of Jehovah. Willingly died for us. But there is no need to fear going under the water. Because I wasn't going to leave him there. The baptism pictured what he must. The, the baptism pictured the death. But it also pictured the resurrection. Because if Christ didn't rise from the dead, you know what baptism would be? It'd be going under the water and just keeping you down there. But Jesus died, and that's it. Well, we die, and that's it. If Jesus hadn't rose from the dead, the only, sufficient, the only picture that would be accurate is to go down under the water and just drown you, and, and that's it. So, well, that's what happened to Jesus. He died, and that was it. And then you die, and that's it. And that would be the end of it. Well, that's kind of silly, but it, it's true. If you was going to do a picture, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, Paul said, our hope is in vain, it's pointless. Let's, let's go home and, and do something else. But Jesus didn't remain in the tomb. He rose from the dead. And so we go down under the water, 
But we come back up because it pictures the resurrection. <coughs> so yes, it might be a little nervous to, to go down under the water. But we don't have to be afraid because when we have to go to death, as we all do, when we have to die, as we all will, we can just meditate on this baptism. But we're not going to stay down in the grave. We're going to be risen. We're going to rise from the grave because Christ did. And, we, and I won't leave anybody under the water because Christ didn't leave me in the grave. Or Christ didn't stay in the grave and he's not going to leave me in the grave. Yes, I might, we may all have trepidation about death and think about sickness and the death of loved ones. But if we're in Christ, we have victory. He rose from the dead. And that's what this baptism is going to celebrate and picture and testify. That Christ died for us and he rose for us. We die with him in this life and we rise with him in this life to walk with him. Christ rose to the right hand of the Father and then when it's time for us to leave this world and they bury our bodies, our souls are going to be with Jesus. He won't leave us in the grave. One of these days, the body will rise out of the grave just as his rose from the tomb. Praise God for his grace and his mercy and his gospel and the picture that we have of this baptism. um, We're going to go and get prepared and then um, the boys are going to play a song and then everybody can head on down that way. But uh, before we do that, let's uh, let's dismiss the uh, with a uh, word of prayer. And ask David, if you would, to...